let's go. Let's go. It's the Plank Show on a Monday live from the Buffalo Wild Wings Studios. Good morning, everybody. We are actually... Good morning, Josh Shelmer. Uh, how was the birthday celebration weekend? It is a birthday celebration, kind of a Monday. Josh was... Uh, so what yesterday was officially the birthday, right? Yep. July thirtieth, thirty-three. Here we go. Congrats, man! It was officially a birthday celebration yesterday. That's right. But, but because we didn't acknowledge it on Friday's show, right? I felt like we needed to acknowledge it all day today. Hey, before we really get cooking today, I wanted to take a moment to really truly thank the people in Paul's Valley out at Seth Wadley in the new Chevy dealership. Uh, Michael Hayes, who runs all their marketing, great, finally had a chance to meet him. And, yes, old school wrestling fans, you know, not Michael P.S. Hayes, not Bad Street, Atlanta, GA, not the fabulous Freebirds, but, no, the man. Michael was great to us. Uh, I got to meet Seth Wadley, which was really cool. I got to meet him. That was awesome. Talked to the crew out there. And I'm telling you, Josh, you know, we do these remotes where we'll go places and you glad hand and you say hi to people. The crew that came, they did the official ribbon cutting ceremony at um, at Seth Wadley. And the city manager, I think his name was Lee, I apologize, because it was right in the middle of everything going by. And he came by and he thanked us, uh, which, again, had nothing to do with me, but thanked us because he made the switch and he found the ref and he loves the Sooner coverage. And then that set off an onslaught of guys that work there and people around the air that's like, yeah, man, we listen every day in the car to Toby, to, to Teddy, to you guys. So shout-outs to Paul's Valley and uh, the hospitality that was shown. Now, unfortunately, Josh, I didn't get to experience everything that PV has to offer because I was kind of in and out. Like I said, wild Oklahoma Triangle yesterday or on Friday, Goldsby to Paul's Valley to Blanchard and then back to Goldsby, but we got it done. So thanks to Seth Wadley. Thank you, Michael Hayes. That was awesome. We really, truly uh, had a blast, and I hope it was a great celebration this weekend through the heat. A lot of cool things going on, uh, and what a great commitment to that community Seth Wadley has. Josh Homer, you might notice when you look into the Buffalo Wild Wings studio that I am not sitting in that studio. Can you confirm? Yes, uh, can confirm. So I... I was under a very horrific misunderstanding over the last few days, Josh. And this went from now, again, when I say this, some people are going to get all angry at me. But when you have daughters that are five years apart, right, nine and 14, you cherish every moment you have, Josh, because, you know, the, these these moments, they don't last. Right. And. You know, my 14-year-old is already trying to get away, and she's always in her room or on her phone or on her iPad. My 9-year-old is is Sass McSasserson, and it's just it's crazy. Um, but as much as hashtag girl dad is real, hashtag girl dad can be a pain in the backside sometimes too. And I thought, <clears throat> I thought, Josh, everybody but your boy was getting out of town this weekend. I thought because I my wife had set up a trip with her sister-in-law, uh, with my sister-in-law, her sister, and it was, I just got to get out of town. And in my mind, I just thought that meant that the girls would be Velcro too, 
and a lot of the housework, a.k.a. golf, that needed to be done before the football season started would get done this weekend. We have made a dramatic and drastic miscalculation on what this weekend was supposed to be, Josh, because it's been me and two girls that fight over everything. And as I sit here, I don't know if I've ever been happier to just walk out to the studio and say, like, you guys got this. I got a show to do. So thank you to TJ uh, for allowing me to just do the show from home today. I feel like this studio is is a broadcast caliber, right? I mean, I, it's it's not as good as, say, being in the, the ref studio, but it's not be downgraded to the point where it's unlistenable, right? No, no, it sounds okay. sounds good. No, I mean, nobody would know unless you chose to be a transparent. Catastrophic, Josh Helmer, judgment and understanding by my part has led to me being home for today. So thank you. Thank you. Happy birthday. Let's get after it on a Monday. I was like, oh, girl dad. Yeah, girl dad's awesome. Why do they start talking back to you and screaming at you and telling you that you don't have any clue what you're talking about? And you just sit there and you're like, you know what? I really don't. It's it's awesome. Now, and I will add this, too, as far as the girl dad is concerned. Truly, honestly, from my heart of hearts, thank you to everyone who responded to the tweet that I threw out from my daughter. Uh, I was questioning whether or not we should put it on social media, but I was just really proud of her. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't do much Facebook. I don't do much Instagram. I probably spend more time on Instagram than anything else. But thank you to everyone who said kind things. It was the first ever tweet that never had an a-hole replying to it and saying something terrible. So my belief in humanity was restored, and Gwynny Beads became so popular that we are now building her an Etsy shop, and she hasn't stopped asking what bracelet Jada Coleman wants. So we're off to a good start for Gwynny Beads. Josh, I've failed miserably in my Earl Woods, Richard Williams approach to my parenting but who knows, maybe Gwynny Beads will take off and we'll end up having some sort of massive uh, windfall of cash from that, right? Who knows? Sure. And really, that's what it's all about, right? Right. I've invested in this to make sure that at some point they can pay off my house note. That's all that matters to me. How was your weekend, by the way? I'm being very greedy here. I'm filibustering on my weekend, Josh. How was the birthday weekend? What'd you do? It was great. Had a nice dinner, hung out with the girlfriend. So um, not, nothing uh, nothing too crazy, but uh, it, it was good. Heard from, well, yourself. Thank you for texting. Yes. I appreciate that. You you uh, you were thinking of me, and, and that was nice. Uh, heard from a bunch of folks, uh, you know, listeners and, you know, people from home. So it's, it's just cool. Birthdays are fun. Uh, you know, just ready to get going, man. You know, this is uh, – we've got – this week and then three others so four weeks until it's game week you do realize that by tomorrow's program by the time you and hold on, let me let me double check my inbox here. okay by tomorrow's show by the time that the plank show hits the air tomorrow we will have already heard from ted roof and many of the defensive coaches in fact when now there's we're not allowed to bring you live broadcasts but Tomorrow's show, when we kick things off, Jeff Levy will be speaking with the media, and then the offensive coaches will be available. So, I mean, you and I, tomorrow's, I mean, Josh, we're not just starting. I mean, we're left lane hammer down. This thing has 
no restrictor plate on it. Am I allowed to say all gas, no brakes, or did Texas trademark that? I, I know we still have the countdown clock, and I know that the Hall of Fame game, which actually starts football this Thursday, isn't going to be you know, Aaron Rodgers slinging it against Deshaun Watson. But we're here, man. And this, we got a long way as far as shows, <laughs> projections, and predictions before we actually get to the uh, first game for the Sooners and then week zero. But you can see the finish line now. And tomorrow is one of those days where we're, I feel like we're really going to learn a lot about this Sooner team. I really, I know we haven't seen anything yet, but when you think about some of the storylines, you don't get asked at a Big 12 media day because it's just not really usually the setting. Tomorrow is, is always where you can drill a little bit deeper. Yeah, it's all Oklahoma <laughs> tomorrow. It's, uh, it's Sooner media day, so... Uh, yeah, some of those duplicate storylines that we've already heard and talked about, get less of that, and we'll get into uh, drilling into the good stuff, the, the real details of this football team. You're right. It's not – It's not. listen, I'm not trying to sit here and give all of us in the Oklahoma media a medal. I'm sure that there's going to be a couple of questions, like the few softballs that I threw up there at, uh, at the coach's luncheon. But to – I love the local media days because I feel like you get to drill a little bit deeper. For instance, what is it that drew you to Connor Near? Right? What did you see? Was it was it and I guess maybe more specifically, you know, he wanted an opportunity to play for a division or division one and power five and blue blood program. But what is it in the in the mechanics, Josh, in the footwork, in the intensity? What is it that drew you to him? Can you know, where is it specifically that you've seen guys like Woody Washington improve this offseason? Can we actually see a freshman battle at that other cornerback position? Or is it time for a Kenai Walker, who, again, fits that role of dude that plays a position where you're not usually wowed by how they look in uniform? But with Kenai Walker, you're kind of wowed with how he looked in the uniform. I, I feel like tomorrow, Josh – we won't have great answers until we kick the season off, but we get a little bit of a better feel about where some of those stories that just don't get asked about in a true general setting. I feel like we get to drill a little bit deeper. Yeah, no, we do. And it will hopefully learn a little bit about this football team. Uh, you're still probably kind of dating back to, Hey, what happened in the spring and summer workouts? Who's made some jumps there, but uh, you know, you get, from Sooner Media Day a week, two weeks down the line, and, and then post-practice interviews, we, we really start hearing right. a little bit about who has impressed and all of, uh, all of those fun things. So but it's here, man. I, uh, I got to tell you something. I got to tell you something. Um, for me personally, I try to preach against getting too sucked in, right? I try to preach against falling for every viral clip, getting too caught up. And, and, again, I'm not trying to knock anyone's hustle, but, like, team source notes and things of that nature, right? I'm, I'm still in a position to where I was told after a University of Tulsa football camp that Michael Delaney was unblockable and that as a bowling ball of butcher blades, he might set a record for most sacks for the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. Listen, I'm as guilty as anyone. That's an old pool. Two people get it. That's all that matters. But I'll preach patience on that front, right? 
I'll preach, you know, being calm, being cool, being collective, Josh Helmer. But yet I'll feed the monster. I, I will be right there dishing out as much information as out there. And in a lot of ways, we'll be kind of playing buy or sell. You and I will kind of have our own version of buy or sell over the next four weeks in, in what's coming out and what the buzz is and what we think is real or isn't. And then you guys will have your say. But then in the end, the ultimate decider will be what happens on Saturdays. And, and as I've said many times, after the way things started last year at 3-0, you probably won't feel any better about things until game four. So media day is tomorrow. The plan for now, and I think it's the plan for good, Josh and I will both be over at OU. When we start the show tomorrow at 9 a.m., we'll hear from Ted Roof and several of the defensive coaches. And then while Brent Venables is speaking in the 10 o'clock hour, uh, we'll hear from Jeff Lebby. We'll hear from – it'll be our first chance to hear from Emmett Jones, right, Josh? Have we – he did a little bit, I think, but has he fully done a, a full sit down yet? And I said, "Oh, I know what he did. He did the Rudy show, right? Right. Yeah. I don't know if we've seen him in a press setting yet. Uh, so there you go. That's going to be fun tomorrow on the program. And then you and I will be able to sit together in the eleven o'clock hour, go back over what we heard from Brent Venables. Coach Venables is slated to speak tomorrow at ten a.m. He's going to talk for about thirty minutes, and I mean that." There'll be no girl dad stories to start the show tomorrow. We won't talk about Josh's birthday. That's right. We'll get we'll be right to football nonstop. We'll we'll move away from the fun that we like to have on this program and get into the fun that everyone likes to have with football tomorrow. It's an exciting day, man. I'm pumped about it. Are you? Oh, how could you not be? Kickoff of camp and a team that uh, should be very very hungry to erase the frustrations of last season. Very, very exciting. All right. So when we come back, obviously there wasn't football played this weekend, but I spent a majority of my weekend chasing conference realignment storylines. But it's a really cool position to be in. I'll explain next right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Welcome into a Monday edition of the Plank Show right here on The Ref with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. Hey, a reminder Take the ref with you anywhere, and you'll need it now more than ever because the ref app is new and improved. Is it new and improved? Sounds good. Sure. Uh, works for me. Go download it today. If you haven't, search K-R-E-F in the App Store, and boom. Boom. There you go. Um, I, ap- I appreciated this from the 918. Hey, Plank, the best way to calm down those girls is to give them a little brother or two. I had 13- and 10-year-old girls and then had two boys in two years. It was awesome. Well, um, I mean, bro, I'm 48, and let's just say certain renovations have been made that would not allow me to add to the depth chart of plankfam.blogspot.com. So it's just, it's not happening. But I'm here to tell you right now, even at 48, watching Robert De Niro, right? Look, what, what did, uh, may, he, may he rest in peace, Bob Saget had a kid pretty late in life, right? 
And I think I saw something online where they think humans can live to be a thousand. So if that's going to be the case and I'm going to be around for a while, I mean, listen, I work in radio, so it's not like I'm ever going to get to retire. Why not? Let's just keep this train going. Yeah, I probably don't need any more kids, do I, Josh? But thank you. Plank show 900. Here we go. <laughs> um, but, yeah. And I appreciate everything on the uh, on the bracelets still. 580Nate asks a very good question. Haven't paid close attention to Major League Baseball the past few years. I can't believe Darvish is pitching so well and hitting bombs for the Angels, and it's not a bigger story. Okay, let's let's update you here, 580Nate. You Darvish does not hit. That is Shohei Otani, right? Uh, I think my personal favorite, speaking of people that, and I know, Nate, you're being tongue-in-cheek, I'm not even kidding. I'm not, Josh, this isn't a joke. I heard one of the broad, and I'm surprised it hasn't gone viral, but one of the broadcasters on either the Dodgers or Reds broadcast was talking about Otani, and he said no-mo like five times. And you're like, bro, Hideo Nomo hasn't picked. It's like Nomo out there with the Angels just been incredible. I mean, he's probably a generational talent. And it said it like two or three more times. It's like, no, what are you doing right now? Hey, uh, just so you know, you've you've mispronounced and misidentified on several occasions tonight. Several occasions. This is bad. Uh, but yeah. I, you know what's funny is this weekend I found myself really all in on a handful of not necessarily regular conversation pieces on the ref, right? I was watching boxing. I was watching UFC. And it was it was entertaining. I, I was getting a kick out of it. It, it, it made me want to I, – I, I've talked about this many times, Josh, but I feel like the one event I haven't got to cover that I've – well, there's many. I want to cover Super Bowl, a World Series, an All-Star game. But one kind of non-stick-and-ball sport that I've always wanted, I want to, f- I want to cover a major prize fight. I want to cover a, a massive prize fight. And I, I, I don't know. Were you watching Bud Crawford on Saturday night at all against Earl Spence Jr.? No. It just it had that feel, right? All, all the people around the, Around the ring, even though I, I don't know who half of them are now because I don't understand today's modern music. Urgh, get off my lawn. But it was awesome. Uh, Eminem brought Terrence Crawford down to the ring. It was great. That's cool. Oh, it was awesome. And then he beat the absolute snot out of Earl Spence Jr. for I think it was seven or eight rounds, maybe nine. And then UFC, I mean – I'm old enough to remember when UFC had a couple of prelim fights and then, boom, the pay-per-view starts. UFC has become like an all-day event. I mean, it, this pay-per-view on Saturday night, I felt like the prelim started at noon. It was like the Super Bowl preview. On Super Bowl Sunday, it was like, ah, I can't wait for the pregame to start at noon. Well, that's what UFC seems like it's become. So I, and, and, of course, you know me, I'm watching NASCAR. I was trying to find out anything about the Xfinity series and its new TV deal with the C-Dub. I don't know, man. We got to get the show to a prize fight at some point, Josh. At some point we got. But I just, we need a guy from Oklahoma to become a famous box. It would make no sense for us to have taken our show to Vegas. Well, I mean, for you and I, it could have for your birthday. But it would have made no sense for the for the ref army to go out and take the show to, to Vegas. Like, what are you doing out in Vegas? Oh, Earl Spence Jr. versus Terrence Crawford. What? What? I think 
I think one of the guys is from Omaha. We could try to claim that, right? We need we need an Oklahoman. We need our next Tommy Morrison. May he rest in peace, Josh. We need an Oklahoman to get in that game and start shooting up the charts a la Alan Green so we can have ourselves a primetime pay-per-view boxing match we can take the show to. Would you be down? Yes, I'm down, and you're probably right, yeah. I mean, be be tough for us to swing like, hey, uh, we, we need to be here, but to be in a prize fight, I don't know. Do we need? Do we really need an explanation? I think everybody gets it, right? You would think, but there's real. I mean, even in oh gosh, I listen. There, I, I am not trying to turn this into a boxing show, but it was funny to see how much it was all over my timeline, and I still am on X. I'm still am on Twitter nonstop from people that I've never heard mention boxing or combat sports in their lives. It's something I think people still dig. Now, with that in mind, great text to start the show, 405-651-3439. That's the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. Josh, where are we in the opinion of a man that doesn't just cover the Sooners for Locked On Sooners and the Plank Show, but also is all over the Big Ten for Hawkeye's Wire? What are you hearing? What was the buzz this weekend after the – I guess we can say now the first move in this cycle of realignment. What's been the reaction to Colorado's move? And are you surprised we haven't seen a corresponding move yet? Or could this be a little bit more in-depth and complicated than we even imagine right now? Well, the reaction is (laughs) there's all sorts of new buzz out there. I mean, I don't know how much you're putting into Jack Mack's report, but – are you putting anything into Oregon, hold, Washington, Clemson, Florida State to the Big Ten? Hold on. I mean, when did Jack Mack put this up? Now, again, for those that aren't familiar, uh, Jack Mack is, if, if it's the same Jack Mack, is on the uh, Barstool Sports Podcast, yes, right? Yes. Who I wouldn't expect to be just some sort of big Big J newsbreaker, but hey, probably has, uh, probably has some friends in powerful places with that type of platform. Here's okay. All right. I'm trying to find it. Will you send I can't believe I missed it this yeah, weekend I'll, because I'll right. find it and send it to you. Okay, so, X formerly known as Twitter. X because like I said, there's two different rules of thought here. Some think I and and I I'll he said it before, Jeff Schwartz, you hear on Fox Sports Radio, you see him on Fox Sports, good friend of the show. He's been a firm believer that the Big Ten was waiting for another move to happen so they don't have to be viewed as the bad guy. They don't have to be Razor Ramon in this instance and and kill the Pac-12 slash Pac-10, now Pac-9. But since the Colorado move has happened, maybe they feel like, all right, come on, Oregon and Washington. And then it wouldn't almost be too incredible to add Clemson and Florida State, right, from that point. But I get the sense that if the Big Ten was going to expand again, I still think it's all about Notre Dame. And unless Notre Dame has just given them a hell no to the no, 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 I don't I don't see how they can't continue to wait it out. I mean, I don't want to ever take a conference commissioner at his word, but I kind of feel like I took Tony Petita's word on, what was that, Tuesday, when he said, listen, they haven't told me that yet. Kevin Warren was still there maybe, but... I just don't get the sense that the appetite is there for for movement from the from the Big Ten anymore. 
because unless, at least until the next media deal, right? Yeah, unless you've, like you said, all of a sudden have convinced Notre Dame to jump aboard and. I don't know. Clemson in Florida State just feels like an impossibility because of the, the ACC TV deal, unless everybody leaves the ACC. So, in short, not not a ton new outside of, okay, kind of what we, I think, knew to end last week, which was Arizona's had preliminary talks with the Big 12, right? Mm-hmm, because right. of the basketball brand that Arizona possesses, that seems like, and, you know, the access to Phoenix, to Tucson, to Scottsdale, sure. those markets, that's an attractive maybe next candidate for the Big 12, the Four Corners schools, the Arizona State, Utah, are they going to jump on board? Okay, Oregon, Washington, is now there some interest there between those two parties in the Big 12? I think that's kind of where we're at is who's going to be number 14 for the Big 12? So I have one theory on the Big 10. And I know this is maybe a little bit too much logic in some of these conversations, Josh. But as far as the TV deal is concerned, my understanding is the Big 12 is the only league that has. Oh my gosh, my dumb dog. Shut up! The Big 10 is. The Big 12. Big 12 is the only league that has a clause that involves an increase or an, an increase. If you bring in a power five school. Now, I don't know what that increase is. Some have speculated it's a full share per power five team that you bring in. I don't believe that. I don't buy that. I don't think that's what it is. It seems like bad business. That would be terrible business. And if that is what ESPN did in this deal, then they might say, hey, Pac-12, go ahead and stay together. You know, what good would it be to have to give up 35 more million, 70 million right there uh, and then have to renegotiate their deal? And the only other clause that any conference has as far as renegotiating their deal if, if realignment happens is the Big Ten, and it's only Notre Dame. So to me, whenever you come up with this idea, just me, Josh, and I'm not saying it's wrong because I've, I've come to learn that for everything we think we know, we don't, and I understand there's, there's some snake oil salesmen out there that you guys keep buying, and that's fine, but you're not improving your short-term deal by adding those four teams to the Big Ten, you're now splitting up your package four more ways. And that's less money for everyone involved. And I don't see how that is a winning prospect for any type of Big Ten expansion right now. Unless this goes back to, boy, they really screwed up. And everyone is trying to minimize the promises they've made to what NBC, that's a major deal. So in order to save that, Maybe they bring on a few more teams and it, and it kind of levels itself out. I don't know. I mean, that's that's just a theory in my mind. But everyone that's like coming out with these numbers, bro, first of all, the ACC's deal, while it only pays them 23.3 mil per season, they're stuck in a grant of rights until 2036. And on August 15th, if an ACC team wants to say they're out, they're out. But it's going to cost them $300 million. And listen, we just heard about Washington fretting over like $6.5 million. We feel like this money grows on trees, but it's not everywhere. It grows on trees in only a handful of places in college football. So you want to try to say, oh, they're going out. It's going to happen. They're moving on because they're going to get X amount of money. I don't think that's the case. The Big Ten is not going to pay to get Florida State out or Clemson out. The uh, Big 12 is, and the SEC won't because – None of them, and maybe the Big 12 is the one 
outlier here, but I don't think that it would be as much as people are trying to make it out to be. All you're doing if you bring in those teams is splitting the pie more ways. How is that something that helps out everyone involved? It costs, it takes away your money. Now, you might, again, sell. In the long term, it helps. Sure. But you are talking about a deal that you're into for, what, six years? So that's six years of splitting it, then adding four more teams, Josh. Four more. That's a lot whenever it comes down to the total amount of money that's split up. So that's why whenever I hear about the Big Ten being additive right now, I just can't fathom it unless it's Notre Dame. I'm with you. Don't disagree with really any of that. You know, ultimately, for something like the ACC, again, I come back to it's going to have to totally collapse Sure. for, you know, the Big Ten or the, the SEC to get involved because of, you know, a lot of the obstacles that exist. Now, when you think about, say, Tony Petiti with the Big Ten or your mark with the Big 12, one thing that sort of differentiates these two from maybe commissioners past is these aren't uh, a bunch of old buddies with, you know, other university presidents or athletic directors, right? Mm -hmm. They took a different path into those positions. So if there was somebody that's fine with setting the world on fire, it's, it's kind of commissioners like that, right? That don't have these built in long standing entrenched relationships with uh, the ACC, the, the PAC 12 uh, powers that be. So probably they're less likely to say, I I don't want to ruin this conference than uh, maybe commissioners pass. So if there was ever a time for these sorts of things to happen to either the Pac-12 or the ACC, it would be now. But again, uh, we we have to see a couple more dominoes fall before any of that's really a reality. Exactly. Exactly. All right. um, Let's say you. Toby asked a question. Do you feel like we're going to come in here tomorrow and while we're just pigeonhole focused on OU Media Day, that something happens? Was the August 1st deadline only for Colorado? Or does it also pertain to, say, in Arizona? And if so, if they're not done by tomorrow morning, is it UConn? Because as we talked about on Friday, Brett Yormark appears to be very, very hot and heavy for UConn if he can't bring another Power 5 school in, which would make that an awesome basketball league, even more so than it already is. But then there's Josh what I teased. I'm going to go a little bit more in-depth on it next. But I I was watching a Kansas State media guy last night on Twitter basically thumb his nose and talk down to Utah as the team that has done so much damage this offseason and how they're, they've talked about the Big 12. And there were screenshots. And I'm like, bro, what? The, the, the arrogance already. It took adding Colorado for the arrogance already to reach a, a fever pitch. But you know what I stopped and said? Not my problem. Got an Alabama game to cover. Guess what? I get to watch Tennessee come to Norman, and I get to go to Baton Rouge. All of these theories and pie-in-the-sky ideas for what's next for either the Big 12 or the Big 10 or the Pac-12, guess what, Josh? We're getting ready to cover the SEC. Feel pretty good about that right now. I'm not fretting what's happening around us. And we're not taking calls about, oh, no, what's Oklahoma going to do? And I'm here to tell you, it's an incredible feeling. So when we come back, we'll hit your text next on The Ref. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm missing out on a story from this weekend. 
I, I know recruiting. Listen, I don't – everything recruiting-wise, Parker's coming up at noon today. Uh, we didn't, from what I've seen, add to the commitment list for 24 over the weekend. But there was a lot of positive buzz. Oh, I know what it was, Josh. Probably will tonight with uh, Michael Patterson McDonald. He seems like a stud. I like him a lot. Um, but did you see the picture that made the rounds from Michigan? And it's recruiting day yesterday or whatever it was holding yesterday. Someone tweeted out a picture from the quote-unquote big house. And it was a it was a terrible looking plate. I can't even think of any other way to put it. Now keep in mind, this is a big recruiting weekend, right? But three star defensive back Elijah Dotson tweeted a picture of what he had to eat. <laughs> and it literally looked like old like cold and old mac and cheese cheese. It was a hot dog with a ridiculously thick bun. There were some soggy chicken tenders in there. And I I, I think that's like an old school chocolate chip cookie. And he shared it with Big House Eats. And it was probably roasted more than, say, <laughs> than, say Lincoln Riley's brisket. I did have to laugh at the very first response that I saw. Uh, the first response was, send the chef to the transfer portal. <laughs> <laughs> it uh, it has major, like, Andover, Kansas, summer microwave <laughs> lunch vibes. So, somebody, uh, hold that Tiger one on Twitter, said Michigan out here serving kid cuisine, and they retweeted the kid cuisine box that used to be able to buy and you'd heat it up. And had nuggets and a brownie in there, and there was always that mac and cheese. I liked uh, I liked Lucy's Lucy Roden from the uh-huh. uh, Dan Levitard shows summation boy dinner, boy dinner. Yeah, hey, you want to know what? I'm not going to judge too much because I was in charge of dinner one night for the girls, and it may have looked like <laughs> that. Okay, but I mean, this is you got to put your best foot forward. I mean, what are we doing here, Michigan? Yeah, it just when somebody shares it, it just looks so bad. And you know what? I would eat that and I'd be eat it. a happy, happy individual. But when you're Michigan or Ohio State or Oklahoma or whatever, I mean, shell out some money. So in case somebody sends us out, it looks like they're eating a nice meal. Oh, my goodness. Well, if we lose a recruit to Michigan, we know that it definitely won't be for how they were treated food-wise. Hey, by the way, what – uh, just because I was only following Twitter and tea leaves and I didn't get the uh, – uh, my services were not necessary this year, so I didn't get the big invite to the party at the Palace. But uh, anything that you really took away that kind of came out of it, it I still feel like that it's a time uh, – it's a take that's kind of lasted the off season and through time. It doesn't appear as if the frustrating 2023 – or 2022, excuse me, has cost the Sooners too terribly much when it comes to the 2024 recruiting class. No, no. they've. Uh, one thing I think we've learned, this staff, they've proven they're going to recruit. And, right. you know, I've said this uh, a couple of times here and elsewhere. I'm almost getting to the point, and, and I, you know, knock on wood here, I almost think Oklahoma is going to have a great recruiting class regardless. 
of what happens on the field this season. I think that this staff is just that good. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, obviously it would behoove Oklahoma, if you're talking hashtag flip season, to go ahead and let's just go win 10 games in, you know, plus and go win the Big 12. But they can recruit, man. They can recruit. Yeah, it's um, it's really impressive. It's really impressive. I saw that Caden Durham is changing his commitment date. Uh, it had been planned for August 25th. And he's going to shift his recruitment date, so we'll keep an eye on that. And it's just every time I feel like I see a prominent recruiting name, Oklahoma's in their top eight, they're in their top five, they're in their top three. It's just it's a really exciting time from a recruiting perspective. Now, now I know, I know, you want to see some of these deals sealed, right, Josh? You want to see it done. You want to see the – but Kelvion Riggins and, and, and those who are at the camp, this are not the camp, excuse me, the party this weekend, the Colin Peacocks of the world, you want to see him commit. But as it stands right now, it's almost as if you can say this team hasn't lost its fa- uh, this recruiting class hasn't lost its fastball. This crew done a great job. Now it's time to close some of these deals. Good weekend. Obviously, Parker was all over it. He'll be coming up at noon today to bring you all the details of the party at the Palace. In the meantime, your texts are hopping off the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. We'll get into them next. Hour one brought to you, as always, by the good folks um, at Van Hoos Fence, vhfence.com. Mr. 59, Mark Van Hoos, will take care of you. The heat might have warped some of your fencing. Maybe you had a tree fall. Maybe you've had some issues. Uh, let Mark Van Hoos and Van Hoos Fence take care of you. 405. 405- 735-1167. Do it because Bob Stoops said so. It's the Plank Show right here on The Ref. Is it okay for me to bring up something about Georgia? Like, it's fine with me, yeah. Do you know we had another player cited for speeding this weekend? No. Do you know what? That's crazy. Do you know what number that is since the speeding death that took place? after the championship celebration that took the life of what um, Devin Willick and Chandler LaCroix, they were killed in a car wreck, allegedly racing Jalen Carter. It's their 14th speeding citation. Now, again, we all speed. 90 and a 70, not here to judge you, right? That's, that's, that's bad, but it's, if it's on a highway, I think I can handle it okay. Now, if it's it's on I-35, whenever you just can't literally let off two miles an hour so we can get through this absolutely train-wrecked, engineered mess that getting on Lindsay or Highway 9 or on or off Highway 9 is, brr, 90 to 70. I, but, dude, he had a warrant. Took him straight to jail because he hadn't paid um, – he hadn't paid a ticket for, wait for it, parking in a handicapped spot. Tyrion Ingram Dawkins, cited for speeding, 90 and a 70. Major Chris Looney told the Athens Banner Herald that the redshirt sophomore was then brought in on a warrant for previously failing to appear in court over a citation of parking in a handicapped zone. 
does not it was released on bond does not look good i mean pay your ticket first of all and stop parking in handicapped spots I, I don't know man i i've often i've often wondered you know how many of these stories happen and we never hear about them i, I don't i don't know how many guys got speeding tickets and i would imagine for you know you now add into it some of these young men are making the kind of money where they can afford the kind of cars that go really really fast so i would imagine this this isn't just a georgia problem but it did take the life of one of their teammates and yet it continues to be an issue oh you're just jealous because georgia's winning i uh, know they're, they're they're great kudos to kirby smart but at what point at what point do you, like, stop and say, all right, we won our fight with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, so obviously we still we care about women, but they even had to acknowledge, yeah, we got a problem in traffic court, and they got another – I mean, Josh, what in the world is going on here? How come this doesn't register as a bigger story to people? Is it because they got burned from the original Atlanta Journal-Constitution report that now everyone's afraid to say anything because they might have to retract it? I don't know. But the 14th known speeding violation this offseason since the death of a teammate for Georgia. It's Plank Show. When we come back, your text next.